We're going to have to uh, do a little bit of listener aerobics this morning. I'm from Uganda, Africa, so I'm used to Africans. And you're not looking like Africans. So one thing we do in Uganda is we actually interact when we preach. So if I say like, woo, you say, woo. If I say, woo, you say, woo. If I say, praise the Lord, you say, in Uganda, we say amen. But <laughs> when we say praise the Lord, you say? Makama yebazibwe, say amina. See, one thing we love is interaction because we're actually a community of people. So what I want you to do is everybody stand up. Look at your neighbor, someone you don't know. Look around you, someone you don't know, not your wife. And actually give them a hug and tell them welcome to your church. Amen. Don't revert back to being just completely white. Let's go. You're, you're fooling me. I'm in Africa. Okay, amen? amen? All right. You can sit down. What a joy it is to be with you. I'm Shannon Hurley. I am a son of the C. Husens. And, uh, and so Dell and Vicky, who we absolutely love and are heroes in our lives uh, because of their love and their service to us, I get the privilege of being a son of theirs. And my daughter Emma has been here all summer. Where's my Emma? Raise your hand, sweetie. So she is available, but through me, just so you know, meaning don't even look at her unless you come through me. So we are excited to be with you. It's always, this is not a furlough, this is called a swing through. So we are here and we are gone as quickly as we're here. Uh, I will be this, I'll be here a week and a half. And I'll be here, I'll be in Dallas, I'll be in uh, San Antonio. So it's not really a time where we just stop and just chill and hang out. So forgive me that I'm not able to come into your homes and, and eat your food. Uh, that's probably good. We'll save you money. But uh, anyhow, when we come through on furlough, we'll be sure to stay here. We want to know you. We want to be part of this family. We did have a choice of which home church we were going to choose. And we wanted Lakeside to be one of our home churches. We, I don't like making decisions sometimes, so I, don't, I chose both. But I chose both because I have a love in it, a, uh, a love for this church. And I have a respect for your pastor. And, uh, and so it is a joy to be part of this as a home church. Although, you guys look a whole lot different than when I was here last time. Uh, how many were here when I was here last time? Okay, how many were not? Maybe let's do it that way. That is amazing. And so uh, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I want to know you. And uh, tonight we are going to have a time where you can get to know Bosco, you can get to know Anthony... Uh, Anthony, wait for us. This is Bosaba. Everybody say Bosaba. 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 That's what we do in Uganda. It's kind of like our African chant. And uh, no, but Bosaba is, is one of my key leaders in, U, in Uganda, but he's been here for the last uh, 
couple years, decided to get married to Mary. And so, uh, and uh, they're going to be moving out with us in May. Bosco's here at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he will be coming out to us, back to us in two years. So we're excited. But I want you to know them. I want you to know our ministry, so I want you to come tonight. How many are coming tonight? Come on, let me see. I can't see. I just want to see who is godly in here and who's not. But please, I invite you all to come. If your husband wants to watch a sporting event, tell him they'll win or lose whether you're there or not, okay? We have ESPN, these great phones. They give us live updates whenever we need them. So uh, please come out. I want to ask you to come out. I want to beg you. I want to plead. I want to give money to anyone who... No. Uh, we want you to come out and be a part. One, it's an opportunity to be together as a church family. And two, I want to get you passionate for missions. And I, want, and I think by coming, you'll only be blessed and say, man, I wish I was there. So please come and be a part of our time. I c- wish I can go around and thank personally all the individuals that participate and help with SOS. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, it would embarrass you, and then I wouldn't remember everybody specifically, so I can't do it. But I just want you to know, as a church family, we're so thankful for Lakeside. We're so thankful for the individuals that participate in helping our ministry happen. God is doing unbelievable things in Uganda. And as you can see, and Bosco wrote that song that you guys sang earlier, and he's going to do a couple more songs with you that he wrote later on, but this is what God's doing. I believe with all my heart and I am convinced God is moving in Africa in ways he is not moving in the rest of the world. Wouldn't it make sense that God would allow the foolish things of the world to what? The wise? To shame the wise? To what? Shame the wise. And our day as we go towards stupidity, they're going toward light. And I believe God is working in Africa in a way that is unprecedented in all of human history. And I get to be a part of it. And I want you to be participate by just coming out tonight. Please come. Have I asked you to come yet? I think I have. So please come and be a part of us. And here is information. Go to our website. If you could participate in this, we would praise God for you. We would, we'd be so thankful. But please go to our website and get our updates. We want to make sure all of you are participating by at least getting our updates and knowing what's going on. We want to encourage you troops on the ground. We're all missionaries, right? Some are just foreign missionaries. Some are missionaries here. So please get our updates through going on our website. Well, what a joy it is to be with my family here at Lakeside. I'm excited. I even get breakfast in the morning with Ken, and I get to hang out with all of you, many of you guys, in the next coming days. I'm out here because I've been part of a youth conference that God has graciously allowed me to be a part of at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, They have a conference called D3 that I speak at each year. And, uh, and it allows me to come out. This year we ha- went and took the theme of Hebrews 11. And, uh, and preached through Hebrews 11. And we wanted to show these young people that Christianity is not just a moment of faith. But is a life of faith. 
We wanted them to see that Christians are not just people who say a prayer of faith, but they live a life of faith. They live a life of faith. It's, Christianity is not a momentary event. It is a lifestyle. It is who we are. Because God doesn't just change us on the outside. He changes us from where? Within. Amen? And as we're together, what we've done is we've looked at each life of faith. And I love Hebrews 11. I love even how it starts. It starts off by saying in, in Hebrews 10... 39, that we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but we are people of faith. Everybody say, we are people of what? Faith. Mm -hmm. So you say, we're people of faith. You got to like hit your chest or something, right? We're people of faith, amen? And what Hebrews does is he goes and he gives us life after life, example of, example of who we are as people of faith. And I had the privilege this week of looking at the life of Enoch. And I was so impressed with the life of Enoch. The Bible has very little to say about him, but it has a great important truth to drive home to our hearts. And I want you to see this life with me. In preparation... I want you to ask, start by asking yourself a question. Are you ready? If people were to describe who you are by one phrase, what would that phrase be? If your friends or your wife or your children were to describe you by one phrase what would that phrase be what would that phrase be that's the question i want to pose to your own hearts i could come down here and i could say okay ken what would you what would you do to describe your wife and we can all listen in. But I don't want to do that because then he'll get mad at me or someone will get mad at me and, and I don't want to do that. But what would your kids say? What do you think they would say? And it might be a good question to ask them on the way home. And don't give a spiritual answer, but give a true answer. For many of us, it might be, oh, my dad, he's, he's funny. Oh, he, he's hardworking. Oh, my mom, yeah, she's really pretty. It might be that, oh, oh, you know, my mom, she's, you know, she's faithful at, at home. Or it might be that she's a good cook. I don't know. Your friends might say that, oh, you're cool. You're funny. You're athletic. You're kind. What would they say? It's a good question as we look at the life of Enoch. In the life of Enoch, what I want to do is I want to ask two questions of his life. How many questions? Two, two questions. Thank you very much. How many questions? Two. All right. Well done, big man. <laughs> All right. Two questions. The first question comes from the book of Genesis, and that was, who was Enoch? And the second question comes from Hebrews 11. What does faith, Enoch's faith look like? 
Before we look at these two questions, I want us to pray and ask God for his assistance. May we? Father, it is your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, as we look at your word, I ask in your grace and in your mercy that you would aid us in our time together. That we, it would come alive and that we'd realize that it is for us and that we would love it, we would cherish it, and we would walk in it. Oh, living God, by, the spirit of, uh, uh, by your spirit, we ask that you would move in our hearts this morning and that we love you more as we look into the face of your word. We love you and ask for your assistance. By your grace and through your son, we pray. Amen. Amen? Open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Here we learn about this great man, Enoch. Read with me in the few words the Bible has to say about him. In Genesis chapter 5. Genesis 5, starting with me in verse 21. Let's read... The living God's words now. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. I just wanted to hear if you guys can read that funny word. Then Enoch walked with God. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. All of the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Here is the life of Enoch. The Bible does not reveal a ton. There is a few other passages in the New Testament. I'll take you there in a moment. But when we look at his life, here is the description of his life. There are five facts that Genesis 5 tells us. It says, one, that he had a son named Methuselah at age 65. Two, it says that he had other children. Three, it says that he lived only 365 years. You say only 365. When they lived 900 years, I guess we could say only, right? And not only that, fourthly, it reveals that God took him to heaven. And lastly, we learn the one phrase... The one phrase that described who he was. What was that phrase? He walked with. He walked with. He walked with God. What is the testimony of his life? What was, what was the impact he made on those around him? What was it? It was that he walked with, he walked with God. That's the phrase that the writer chooses in the few words to describe him to use twice. Is that he walked with God. You say, Shannon, well what does this phrase mean? Well, we know because we're in Genesis, we know in Genesis chapter 3 that 
Enoch wasn't the only one that ever walked with God, right? We know that Adam and Eve walked with God. It says, the Bible says that God came and walked in the garden in the cool of the evening. There was a real sense in which we believe from tradition that Adam and Eve, every cool of the evening, would go on a walk with God. What would happen? They, they would walk and, and, and most likely and Adam and Eve would say, hey, you know, Lord, we're struggling with this. I mean, there's this animal called a giraffe and, and he keeps eating all, I don't know what they would talk about. But they would talk about anything that was on their, anything that was on their, anything that was going on in life, they would talk. I don't know, maybe Adam was saying, you know, this woman Eve, you know, I, I love her because you gave her and stuff like that, but she's a little weird. She does things completely opposite. She starts crying when I talk to her. I don't know what they talked about, but I know that they walked with God. There was an intimacy that they shared. And one thing that is cool to think about is when you say, well, wait a second here. Who were they walking with? Who came down in the cool of the evening? You know who it was? Jesus. Right? They walked with Jesus Christ before he was ever born in Bethlehem. They had intimacy with Christ. They had fellowship with God. Can you imagine walking each day with your God, having an intimacy as they had with him. What's sad is we learn in Genesis 3, 8 that Adam and Eve sinned, and rather than walking with God, Adam and Eve hid from God. Thus, their fellowship and their intimacy, rather than it being sweet, they hid and therefore it, it, it limited it or affected their fellowship or their walking with him in that instance. But this phrase, to walk with God, it, it communicates this idea of intimacy. Enoch was a man who had an intimate relationship with God. In that he lived a life's pattern that was characterized as intimately devoted to his master. Like Adam and Eve, he walked with God in intimate fellowship. So much so that it characterized who he was. Unlike Adam and Eve, however, he walked in obedience, never hiding from God, but always running to him. He maintained an intimate relationship with the Almighty. See, Shannon, what, what did that look like specifically? Well, I don't know exactly because I wasn't there and we don't get a lot of insight into what life was like in the pre-flood days, but I do get a few hints. Can I share a few hints? One hint comes from, the, from this fact. Three facts I want you to know about Enoch in regards to this is one, he lived during the days of Adam. Interesting. When Enoch was born, Adam was 622 years old. That means 
that Adam lived another 308 years during the life of Enoch. So I'd like to think that maybe, maybe uh, Enoch was discipled by Adam. Maybe he learned to walk with God from, from Adam. Maybe Adam told him all about what this was to walk with him. The other thing we know is that Enoch left the earth 69 years before Noah was born. You know what that means? It means that, that Enoch lived in days that were very, very, very wicked. Were sinful days. According to the days of Noah, according to Genesis 6-5, we know that they were extremely wicked. That every intention and thought of man's heart were only evil continuously. Remind us of any day? Kind of like today. And I don't think we have even seen anything like it's going to be in our, in our future days. But Enoch lived in sinful days. So what did he do in sinful days? He walked with God in the midst of sinful days. Not only that, but it says in Jude 14 and 15 that Enoch was a preacher. That he was always declaring a message. That message was that the Lord was going to come with his thousand angels to execute judgment upon all, to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, and that they have done in an ungodly way, and all their harsh things in which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What was his message? Something about ungodly, because he says it six times in that verse. What does that mean? It means that Enoch walked in ungodly days. In days when nobody was walking with God, Enoch walked with God. Therefore, Enoch provides this incredible example to all of us. What was the example? That we can walk with God in ungodly days. That we can walk, if he can walk 300 years, we can walk with God 70, 80, 90 years that God by his grace will give us. Have you ever considered the fact that Christianity is not a religion, but Christianity is a relationship with God? Have you considered that reality? When I was a kid, I was told these truths. When I, I was told these truths when I was in junior high school. In junior high school, I had a girlfriend, not to be exemplified, but I had a girlfriend at seventh grade, 12 years old. And with that, I spent every moment of the day with this girl at school. Then I went home. When I went home, I got on the phone with her. And when I was at home, all I wanted to do was talk on the phone with her. I was obsessed with her. I thought we were going to get married we dated a month and we broke up and my inner child has been hurt ever since. But it's at these times I learned that Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship with God. And I began to ask myself, wait a second here. Do I have a relationship with God? 
Do I have a relationship with God? Because in this relationship, all I wanted to do was talk with this person. All I wanted to be with them, but I never talk with God. I never meet with God. Then you pick up your Bibles and you read of lives like David who said these words in Psalm 42, 1 and 2. He says, As a deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And you get this picture of a man yearning, parched as an animal is for water. And his longing to be with them. Charles Swindoll says David was heartsick. Ease he did not seek. Honor he did not cover. But enjoyment of communion with God was his urgent need. An absolute necessity like water to an animal. His soul, his very self, his deepest life was insatiable for the sense of divine presence. Listen, David had this heart that longed for what? God. Longed for what? God. There was an intimacy he had. You see, what God loved about David is that David walked with him. David shared his heart. Listen to the Psalms. Read the Psalms anew. It was always crying out, God, my heart hurts. God, I'm struggling with this. God, thank you, praise you, exalt you. That's what makes the psalmist so great. Is that these men walked with God. They walked with him. It wasn't just a religious thing they did. It was something that controlled and dominated their lives. God. What a powerful testimony the lives of faith provide us. Let me ask you a question. Is it your passion to truly walk intimately with God? I wonder if a testimony was given that described you, what would that testimony be? Would your children say you walk with God? You see, well, often we want our children to walk with God, but we don't what? Walk with Him. The life of Enoch was clear. One testimony, he walked with God. Meaning, everything in his life, he turned to God. He turned to God. Listen. Is your life the same way? Or are you walking this thing alone, depending on your self? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and I want us to look at the second aspect of, of, of this man's life. Hebrews chapter 11, we see a few truths that, we see three truths, three realities about the life of Enoch. In Hebrews 11... Starting with me in verses 5 and 6, it says these words. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before being taken up, he was pleasing to God. 
And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that God is the rewarder of those who seek him. And these verses, the writer of Hebrews tells us about God, about Enoch in verse 6. Verse 6 is a description of Enoch. Verse 7 is an application from the writer about Enoch. In verse 6, it's very fascinating when you look at the words that are used. I'm sorry, verse 5. He says, by faith. He doesn't describe his faith. He just says, by faith. And when we look at the life of Enoch, the only thing we could say is, what was the expression of Enoch's faith? What was it? That he what? Walked with God. That he what? That he walked with God. That was the expression of his faith. By faith, Enoch, it says, was taken up. That he would not see death. That is the expression given. As a result of walking with God, he was taken, taken up. Then to verify his point, you see in the next verses, the, the, the verse continues, it says, and he was not found because God took him up. That is a quote from Genesis. So he reaffirms what he just said about Enoch. So we see the first point of the life of Enoch, the first reality of Enoch and his faith or his walking with God. And that was this, is that that Enoch was rewarded as a result of walking with God. He was what? Rewarded. What was his reward? According to the passage, Enoch was taken up into... Up into... Heaven, into the presence of God. As a result, Enoch did not see death. Amen? God rewarded Enoch. God took Enoch into his presence so that he would not have to experience death. My friends, that seems like, ah, no big deal. But listen, it's a very big deal. Because according to the history, there's not so many people that have lived at this moment in time. Remember. And remember what God promised. God promised to Adam that as a result of sin, you will surely, you'll surely die. Here, Enoch does not die. Wow. And that, you're like, what, what, what happened to Enoch? So it was very big. Because although Enoch was a sinner, God had grace on him. He is the first example of God graciously saving and not experiencing the consequences of sin. This is great news. This is great news. In that day, it would have been a message. Listen, if you walk with God, you can be saved by by. God. If you walk with God, you can be saved by him. And that is the message because walking with God is faith in God. It's expressed, our faith in God is expressed by walking with him. And as a result, we will not die. We will be given grace. We'll be given mercy. Hallelujah. We'll be credited his righteousness and thus not experience death. We too will live and be in his presence. 
The reward of Enoch's life was heaven. I was saying this week to some people as I was talking about reward, I was saying, listen, do you not realize that we will be rewarded with the thing in which we love most and of which we live for most? If you live for God and he's who you love, then you'll be rewarded with what? God. Hallelujah. You live for the world, you'll be rewarded with what? The world. And all the terrible consequences that come with it. Oh, see, the end, the end of our lives as we long and live and walk with God is God. Who would want anything else? Oh, dear friends, this passage is crying out to us to live like Enoch, to by faith walk in an intimate relationship with God despite the decaying world around us. And know the sweet realities of God's will like Enoch and thus be rewarded. Friends, listen. If most of us are honest with ourselves, we don't take God seriously. We don't take God seriously. God is just a ad- Sunday add-on. A religious obligation to soothe our conscience. He's not considered as a person in which we maintain a relationship with. He's not a person in which we walk through life with. Yes, we hear that Christianity is not a religion but a relationship with God, but we don't walk with him in the morning. We don't run with him during the day, and we don't learn from him at night. Rather, he is ignored. Let's be honest with ourselves. He is substituted for Facebook because we find Facebook more pleasurable. He is replaced for our friends, our our sports, and, and our education, and our video games, and maybe even our spouses. We would rather run to our spouse to get our satisfaction met than to God because ultimately we love them more than God. Let's just be honest. Let's not be fake. We've been told millions of times that we need to spend time with God in prayer and God's word, but we just continue to believe the lie that we don't have enough time. But the reality is we choose not to live like Enoch and walk with God because we would rather love someone else or something else. In reality, we don't believe God is good enough. We don't believe he's satisfying enough. He is not our reward because we've never known the joy of throwing ourselves back and resting in his presence and the joy of walking through life with him. We believe that the candy of the physical is more satisfying than the solid food of the sovereign God. We would rather have intimacy with creation than the creator. That was not Enoch. And that result was not only the privilege of walking with him on this earth, but it was the privilege of walking with him throughout eternity. 
Some would say that if you don't walk with him here, you won't walk with him there. And I think it's true. I think the whole point is, listen, if you, don't walk, if, you don't, if you are not like Enoch and have the faith of Enoch, which was walking with God, then you are not a person of faith. You are an imposter wearing a Christian uniform. Because when God transforms you, he puts within you a desire to know him. There's a second reality we see here, and that is this. The second reality concerning Enoch's faith is that it pleased God. It pleased God. Look with me the second half of verse 5 to the beginning of verse 6. It says, For he obtained the witness that before being taken up, he was pleasing to God. He obtained a witness. You say, well, Shannon, hold on a second. What was his witness? Well, what was his witness in Genesis? What was his witness? What was his testimony? He walked with God, right? You say, Shannon, but wait. Here it doesn't say he walked with God. It says that he was pleasing to God. Interesting. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it is a translation from Hebrew to Greek. He is quoting from the Old Testament. But what's interesting is in that quote from the Old Testament, he does not use a literal quote over. He does not say, translate literally walk with God over into Greek. Rather, he chooses some different word. You say, why? I don't know. But what we can draw a conclusion that to walk with God is synonymous with that of what? Pleasing God. Oh, you say, Shannon, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this second reality, and that is this, that God is pleased when we walk with him. God is pleased that we walk with him. These words are synonymous. To walk with him is to please God. And that's why he says in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without walking with God, it is impossible to what? Please him. But listen, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, I want you to know this powerful truth, and that is this. God is pleased to walk with you. Wow! Do you understand that God is pleased to walk with you? That he wants to walk with you? I heard my brother this last week lost his wife. Oh, I can't imagine. And I would just say, brother, we're praying for you. I, I don't know you like I wish I did, but I'm praying for you. And I would just say, find the joy of walking with God in this time. Nobody can satisfy us, right? Who's going to satisfy us? Nothing can satisfy our aching heart, but the good thing is we have God to walk through through life. Listen, I've been in Uganda 10 years. Nine of them have been painful. But you know what I've found? God is worthy to walk with. You never find a friend so faithful. Oh, I don't need to run to try and find satisfaction, approval from others. I have it with God. God is pleased to walk with me. He's pleased to walk with you. Listen, isn't our gospel say that Jesus died on the cross to reconcile us, to bring us into a relationship with him? Isn't that what the Bible says? 
The whole point of Christianity is a loving relationship with the God of the universe. And the Bible is this. He wants to have intimacy with you. It pleases him to have intimacy with you. Him, whatever I'm saying. <laughs> it pleases him. Oh, my friends. When you share your heart and your burdens with him, he finds, listen, pleasure. My wife, who I, I am like the all-time fan of my wife. There's no one more godly. She's in Uganda slugging it out while I'm here like hanging out and eating burritos, you know. Godliest woman, I've honestly, unbelievable. I'm just honored to be, to kiss her every once in a while. But she loves to go on a walk with me. She loves it. She loves it when I just take her hand and, and we walk through the roads and, and she just shares her heart with me. And I, I'm like, I don't know why, but she just loves to share her heart with me. Have you ever considered the reality that God loves when you share your heart with him? You know, this has been so helpful to my own heart because sometimes we do oh man i don't pray I, I don't pray i mean what a loser i mean what a sinful wretched you know ungodly man I, oh my friends it's not that difficult share your burdens with your god who cares it takes the whole pressure out of it oh well, reading your bible i gotta do it no no go and enjoy communion with your father you see the end result of christianity is a relationship with god god is enabling you the privilege the opportunity to walk with him to walk with him i believe god loves when we sit down at his feet and listen to his word. He loves when we take time to pray with him about our concerns, when we run to church to hear his words spoken, when we worship him with all of our affections, all of our emotions. He loves it. He loves it. When we turn to him with our problems, he loves it. That's why he says, cast your cares upon him, for he what? Cares for you. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, that's why he says, Come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden, and find rest. Listen, I believe a lot of marriages, they're not very good because we're trying to get our pleasures met in our spouse instead of our pleasures met in God. And let me tell you, God will satisfy. It may be awkward at first, but he'll satisfy you. I believe God loves it when we trust his word and walk in his wisdom. I believe God loves it when we call out to him for help in times of weakness. When we fight to keep sin from hindering our relationship with God, I believe he loves it. Our passage is telling us he finds pleasure in it. You know, we can walk through life, do all our religious obligations... But in the end, never understand what it's all about, about a relationship with God. Amen? It's about knowing him and him being known by us. It's about walking with him.
Brothers, to walk with God is to give God pleasure. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth to see whose hearts are completely his. God looks to come alongside his people with affection, with help, and with concern. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. What an amazing God that he finds pleasure in us. What a great motivation to spend time with him, isn't it? The third reality that we see, and I'm just going to leave it with you because I'm out of time, is this. And I believe the third reality reveals what was the motivating drive, but what made, what made Enoch walk with God, what made him please God, I believe, verse 6 reveals it in the application of the writer. He says at the end, he says, and without faith it is impossible to please God. I think that's going on to verse 5. And here he says, for he, explaining the secret of Enoch's faith, the secret of his walking with God, and he who comes to God must what? Believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of those who what? He is the rewarder of those who what? Are we together? I believe here the author reveals the seeker behind his life of faith. The seeker behind his life. You know what it was? He truly believed in who God was. And that God was the rewarder of those who sought him. He truly believed in God. He truly believed in his word. You see, to walk with God, you must believe the reality of who he is. And I think maybe that gets to to the heart of it. We don't walk with him because we really don't believe he's there. We really don't think he's the rewarder of those who put their faith in him. Oh, my friend. Well, that's where the problem lies. You don't walk with him because you don't really what? Believe. Believe him. And you don't really believe him because you are still probably in your sin. Sin still has control of your heart and life. You've never been born again. You have just been religious. But see, when God comes and takes sin out of your life, he puts the Spirit of God in, and now you walk in a new way. You walk with a passion to know him. Friends, I just want to remind you, he is there. He is the rewarder of those who seek him. The greatest joy, I look back at the last nine years and I say I have loved them. Why? Because God was with me every step of the way. He was there. Aiding and helping my present help in times of trouble. Oh, he was there every moment. He is the rewarder of those who seek him. Brothers and sisters, I come and I give you a reminder this morning. A reminder from the the life of Enoch that Christianity is about a relationship with God. And that he desires to walk with you. Do you want to walk with him? 
He finds pleasure in walking with you. Oh, friends, make him your greatest friend. Make him the satisfaction of your life. Walk with him as the psalmist walked with him. And you'll find that you walk right in to the presence of God. My friends, if people were to describe you by one phrase, what would it be? What would it be? For Enoch, it was that he walked with God. And I pray the same would be said for you and for me. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for all of you. Father, we recognize that you are real. You are the rewarder of, of those who seek you. Father, we talk about evangelism. We talk about reading our Bible. We talk about praying. And these are duties if we don't love you. But these are natural expressions for those who do know you. And Father, I pray that you would be, consume us with yourself. Teach us to rest in you in all things. Father, I pray by your grace that you would use your word and the life of Enoch to bring someone, some into sweeter communion with you as their Savior. Through your Son we pray. pray. Amen.